Today's episode of the Closeout Podcast is brought to you by Jerry Krause because he might have just become the most hated person in basketball history, maybe sports history, while there's no sports going on. I don't know if I would have guessed that, that we would have a new enemy in sports when there's no sports going on during a 2020 quarantine. I'm going to be getting into the first two episodes of The Last Dance in this episode, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell everyone the sad news. We'll just get out, get it out of the way first. Um, Matthew will not be joining us tonight because you know he's in his last dance of school here, and he's got an exam. He pushed it off to the last minute studying, typical Hargrove stuff, and you know he put school before the podcast. I can't say I get it because obviously you got to get to the podcast first, but he's doing what he's got to do. We're going to do a podcast later this week, and in that episode, I know we said last week we were going to do a we so we both rewatched the 2011. Game six when Dallas beat Miami in the finals. And we both rewatched it, took notes on it. We're ready to talk about it. So we're going to do that later this week as well as a couple other things. But I'm still going to be covering pretty much everything other than that game. And so, yeah, I'm going to be getting into the NCAA drama that's been going on. And I'm just going to go ahead and give my opinions. Me and Hargrove might cover this when we record later this week, but I just wanted to go ahead and throw my opinions out there on it. I'm also going to be talking about Cole Anthony declaring for the NBA draft because I know I've talked about that a lot and my feelings on that. So he went ahead and decided to declare. So I'm going to be covering that. I'm going to look into a way too early look in the next season of college basketball, hoping, just hoping we have it. I'm assuming we will. And I've got a sad Kansas fan moment here for you guys. And then covering the last dance, like I said. And then I'm going to give you guys my top five coaches of all time in the NBA. I'm really excited about that. But before I get into all that, Jim Nance. So I want to go ahead and start off by talking about this Jalen Green NCAA drama that I saw on Twitter and really I get all my news on Twitter when anything bad happens I usually look on Twitter to see what people are saying so if this isn't a big deal outside of the Twitter world I'm sorry but I saw a tweet the other day that said Jalen Green skipping college and going to the NBA G League is going to become a trend and it could really come down to hurt college basketball. The thought that some people think this trend will hurt college basketball in any way is outrageous. College basketball will never hurt because great players are deciding to forego college. It'll never hurt because kids are deciding they want to go overseas or play in the G League or not have to deal with the NCAA drama. I think the issue is people aren't understanding why college basketball and March Madness is so popular and blows the NBA playoffs out in ratings every year and will for the far, far future, which is school loyalty. The fandom in college basketball and the NBA is completely different. 
how many people are following players in college basketball instead of a team? None. If a college player transfers, are you going to follow him to a new team like fans typically do in the NBA now? No, you're not. You know how many people followed LeBron from Cleveland to Miami to Los Angeles and are fans of whatever team he's on? I get there are people in the NBA who stick with their teams, but my point is NBA fandom is centered around players. College fandom is centered around teams and schools. How many people do you think are going to stop watching college basketball because the great players are finding ways to skip college? None. This isn't going to hurt college basketball's television ratings or their bank account at all. So the fact that people are out there saying that this could hurt college basketball is absolutely absurd. Now, I do think that this brings up the point that I've been making ever since Matt and I started this podcast was the rule needs to change. It needs to be that you can just go straight to the NBA. I mean, if this kid is going to the G League, why not just let him get drafted and go make more money? Like, there are ways around going and playing in college. So don't make those ro- those roadblocks harder than they have to be. Just let the players who want to go from high school to the NBA do that. I mean, it, it's going to save so many issues as far as the money side of things, uh, players being paid, and it's just going to solve all the, the – it, it would solve a lot of problems for the NCAA just getting destroyed whenever they make a decision. I know they always will, but – This is a big one that a lot of people are really passionate about, get really upset about. So they just need to make that change. They need to change the rule. High school players can go straight to the NBA. I I never understood why it got changed in the first place because, I mean, it's not like you're losing a ton of players to the NBA. Like, those guys were probably going to play for a year anyways. Like, Do you think Kyrie should have gone and sat on the bench at Duke for a year? No, he should have gone into the NBA draft when he was a senior in high school, and he would have gotten drafted top 10. Zion should have been able to go from high school to the NBA. So that rule absolutely needs to be changed. And yeah, that's just my two cents on this topic. I don't think people need to freak out about players deciding to go to the G League or go overseas because it's not going to hurt college basketball. I will never stop watching college basketball because of the talent. I'm going to watch the Kansas Jayhawks because I've been a fan of theirs since I was five years old. I'm going to watch the team in orange that I can't talk about because I go to that school and it's just like school pride. You have pride in your team. You want to watch your team. You, It's your team. It doesn't matter the players on that team. It's not like I am a Steph Curry fan. So if he got traded from the Warriors, I would probably stop watching the Warriors as much and start start watching whatever team Steph Curry's on. When I was in high school, I really looked up to him and he's a guy that I want to follow and watch throughout his NBA career. And I'm a fan of Steph Curry. I'm not so much a fan of the Warriors. Now, I get Matthew, if he was here, he would be like, well, I'm a fan of the Nuggets. I've been watching the Nuggets even when Melo left. There are those type of people, and those, those are like the real NBA fans. I think a lot of people are like me. They 
like the players and they'll follow the players. You know how many people, how many of my friends follow LeBron, whatever team he's on, they got the they got the jersey. They got the Cleveland jersey, the Miami jersey, the LA jersey. So I just don't think there's any chance this hurts college basketball. And the people who are saying that, they're honestly just trying to find something to talk about because there's not much going on. But what is going on is Cole Anthony declared for the NBA draft. Now, if you follow our podcast regularly, and if you don't, I will give you my opinion on this, but Cole Anthony declaring for the draft has been, in my eyes, one of the worst decisions he could make because on every NBA draft board, they have him projected to go to the Knicks. And I have a... I'm trying to think of how to say this in the best way. I think the Knicks, people, I think players go to the Knicks to die. Like, I just think the Knicks are one of the worst organizations. And once Cole Anthony declared for the draft, I started to really think about it because for some reason I thought he might go back. But what I've come down to is I think this is a bad decision for him in the long run and a great decision for him in the short term. He's projected to get drafted by the Knicks. As a career move, getting drafted by the Knicks is like throwing your first two years away in the league and possibly hurting your free agency value when you inevitably try to leave after your rookie contract's up. I also think he could have used one more year at North Carolina. I think he could have come out a more rounded player. I know he's an exceptional talent, but I think this year at Carolina, he could have come back and that Carolina team could do something. I know they didn't have the season this year that they wanted and that anybody expected, but I think next year they would have been a completely better team. They would have looked more rounded. Cole Anthony, knock on wood, would have been there the whole season. So don't get me wrong. I think the guy is a great player, but I think if he stays, he could have been – it could have just been really beneficial toward him. But, look, I understand the business side of it. I was a KD guy. I wanted KD to go from – Oklahoma City to Golden State because that was the business decision. So I completely understand what he's doing. And coming off the the injury that he had, I think the dude just wants to go get his money. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's a guaranteed lottery pick. I can't believe I'm sitting here and saying that I don't think a guaranteed lottery pick should go back to college for another year. But I think that would be the most beneficial situation for him. So I think this decision has a chance of hurting him in the long run. Look, he might not even get drafted by the Knicks. I'm just sitting here and assuming that because all of the draft boards have him projected there. And look, I think that's a very – me and Matthew went Matthew and I went through the projected draft picks on our last episode, I think, or the episode before, and we both saw him go into New York – 100% just because the picks before him seem like they're locked. So I know it's insane to say that a guaranteed lottery pick should go back to college for another year, but you know, that's just where I'm at right now. So I think the decision has a chance of hurting him, but I think the decision for him in the short term is fantastic because he's going to go get his money. And then, and in the next couple months, he doesn't have to wait any longer. And This draft class is probably one of the worst I've ever seen. It's absolutely terrible. So, I mean, he has a chance of going higher in the draft this year than he does next year unless 
the draft class next year is even worse. I mean, maybe if he goes back another year and he's better, he gets drafted higher. But I think this draft probably is his chance to go in the top eight, top seven. I know he's supposed to go like six. Um, And why go back and risk getting hurt in college and not getting your money? So, I mean, he could get hurt again or he can go get paid now. I know all my negative points about this are centered around him going to the Knicks. And again, that's just because that's where it seems like he's going to go. He might not go there, and it would be a great decision. I th- My whole argument is dependent upon him going to the Knicks. Because so, I think the Knicks are arguably one of the worst-run organizations in the NBA. And why would he put himself in a situation or a position where he could be ruined by that? Now, if he got drafted to any other team, it's a great decision. But the chance that he does get drafted by the Knicks, as a player, that would scare me. Because that leaves you with an an unstable future. Like, he's just, there's no way to tell what's going to happen to you when you are on that Knicks team. Like, I've been probably watching for the past 14 years, 15 years, I can't tell you a Knicks, de- a Knicks decision that I was fully behind. And Matthew would tell you, oh, it was the Mellow deal. That was the dumbest deal Mellow could have made for himself. He was going for the money. And I'm just saying that because Matthew Hargrove's not in here to argue with me. But I just think, Cole Anthony, if you think there's a chance you go to the Knicks, go back to college. But, look, you can't. I also understand, like, go get your money. Maybe he turns the Knicks around. Who knows? So, And I know as a player you can't think about it like that, but that's how my mind immediately – that's where my mind immediately goes, and that's how I think about it. So let's move on from this. This just oppresses me for Cole Anthony. So I want to talk about next season in college basketball. I know it's so far away. Let's just hope that we get college basketball back. But – I want to do my really, really way, way too early look in the next season of college basketball because I think there are some surprises on here. So my first team that I want to look at arguably could be outright the best team next year, no question about it, is Villanova. They're getting back Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Justin Moore, and they might get back Sadiq Bey. He declared for the draft, probably going to go through with it. But, I mean, there's still that chance until they have to make the decision. So we'll see. I would I would assume he doesn't come back. But even if he doesn't come back, they got a transfer from Tulane, Caleb Daniels, who averaged 17 points per game and can shoot the lights out. Total just Villanova player. With this roster, I think they could be a heavy favorite to win next year. If they get Bay back, it is... I would put all of my chips all in on Villanova to win their third national championship in six years. Jay Wright would be a GOAT for that. He would have to be in the conversation for top coaches of all time if he can do that. So that team, man, that team looks really good going into next season. And then we got Creighton, who are bringing all five starter backs and getting Duke transfer and Alex O'Connell. 
This Creighton team was hot this year, especially at the end of the season, winning 11 of its last 13 games. So I could see them being a heavy favorite going into the season next year. I mean, when you have your team back, you have the squad back, more experience, and you got Alex O'Connell, I believe it's a senior year. That's just a mature team who left the season really strong. 11 out of your last 13 games is legit. So I think this Creighton team could come in hot next year, and I definitely think that they should be they should be on the list of definitely top five teams going in next going into next year and then we got Gonzaga so Killian Tilly and Ryan Woolridge are both expected to test the waters and I think they are testing the waters in the draft but I think there might be a chance that they get both of them back I mean this would put this team arguably above anyone else in the nation so I think this Gonzaga team is 100% dependent upon these two guys if they come back I think this Gonzaga team is top five. If they don't, I don't even know where I would put this Gonzaga team, which then brings me to Iowa because Iowa is 100%. Their success depends upon Luke Garza if he goes through the draft, if he goes into the draft. He hasn't hired an agent, so he might still come back for a senior year. I think a lot of people think he will. And if he comes back, I'm putting a lot of stock in the Iowa team who will get back Joe Weiskamp and C.J. Frederick. So if Garza comes back, I think this is arguably one of the, arguably the best team, one of the best. I mean, I think with Villanova and a couple other of these teams, I don't know if you could put them at the best team in the nation going into next year, but I think they would be legit. But if Luke Garza does not come back, they're losing their national player of the year. So I don't think you can even put them in the top 25. And then we got Texas Tech. This is my last team on the list. I just wanted to give a quick list because I know Matthew and I are probably going to get into this more when we have absolutely nothing to talk about. So Texas Tech has their best recruiting class ever coming in. Even though they're losing Jamius Ramsey, they will bring back Kyler Edwards and David Moretti. And I think this Texas Tech team has the talent to make some noise this next year, I don't think you can call them an underdog because they're going to be one of the most skilled teams in the nation. But I think it's a team that not a lot of people are going to be talking about going into the season who are going to make some noise really quick. So those are just my quick top five. Maybe surprise, I don't think surprise, but top five teams that I want to keep an eye on going into next season. Whenever it comes, hopefully we get it soon, which brings me to my sad Kansas fan moment. Kansas was a heavy favorite to win the national championship this year. You guys know that. I talked about it a lot. I was excited about it. I'm not going to lie to you. And season ends. We don't win it. We don't get to bring the championship back 12 years after our last one. We don't get to bring a talent field house. And then we lose Devon Dotson and Nundoka Zabuki, who said they're going into the draft. Neither of them, I don't expect either of them to come back. But on the bright side, that's my sad Kansas fan moment. The bright side is we get Marcus Garrett back, Ochai Abaji, David McCormick, I think will play a bigger role this year. He's coming back. And then I think the X factor is Christian Brown. I think he has to be lights out this next year. And then we got some two, we, we, we got some two. We got two new guys. We got Bryce Thompson, 
who will be a freshman in this this year, and then we got a uh, I think it's a junior transfer, Tyon Grant Foster, who I think will fit in with this team really well. But as of right now, I can't say that I'm emphatic about this next season for the Jayhawks. But who knows? I didn't look. I didn't think I was going to put my heart and soul behind the 2011 Jayhawks, who were playing Tyrell Reed and Brady Morningstar for the majority of the game, and there were major roles on the team. But I did. They didn't do it. I don't. I. They might have gone to the Final Four, Elite A, but I I put my heart and soul behind that team. So maybe maybe when we get closer, I will be all in for these Jayhawks. We'll just have to see. But as of right now, I just want to see basketball. I if if that means see the Kansas Jayhawks have the worst record in school's history, I would do it. I would I would pretty much give anything to watch some college basketball right now, but. I guess the closest to that that we're going to get is the Last Dance documentary. So I think Matt and I are going to talk about this because I know he was excited to talk about it and I'm bummed he couldn't be on the podcast tonight, but I'm just going to give my immediate reaction. So first I want to say, I think the first two episodes, and I guess it might be on the rest of these episodes, is it's just a Jerry Krause Like they basically spent I would say half the documentary just making Jerry Krause into the antagonist into the guy that everyone wants to see lose and look I wasn't I think I I think I was born the year I was born in 1998 so it would have been the season after this and so I can't tell you like what my opinions were during this time I will say from what I saw this guy <laughs> looks like the worst freaking dude on the planet I will say he has he made some of the best choices in basketball history like the the decisions he made to get those pieces on the the on this team were exceptional the Bill Cartwright trade drafting Scottie Pippen getting Dennis Rodman like all of these decisions made the Bulls what they were but it sounds like this guy just sucks. That's all I have to say about him. I didn't I think what's cool about this is I didn't know a ton about Jerry Krause and everything that went on because that was just never something during my life that was a big deal, I guess. And seeing everything inside these, especially that last season, was really cool to watch especially for someone my age. I think a lot of the a lot of people my age were really excited about this documentary because that during that time it wasn't like everything was on social media like we have now like we see everything that goes on and I feel like during that time maybe there were some things that weren't exactly released or known to the public. I think if anything that happened that during that time that happened now would be publicized within 30 seconds of it happening. So it was cool to see all of that. Another thing was Jordan's work ethic that I wanted to talk about. This dude set the precedent for Kobe, LeBron. I mean, you could even, you could say anyone, James Harden, Giannis. I just watching how he worked and how he talked about how he worked and how much he wanted to win. It shows you how much Kobe tried to, replicate Michael and 
when all and because he saw that that worked so kobe was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna replicate this so it'll work for me and i can get my championships too i can get i can get my basketball success too so jordan and i think it shows this in the documentary and like proves that jordan set the precedent for work ethic in basketball when you saw it even shown the documentary there wasn't that kind of work ethic until jordan got there and Arguably the best part of the two-part series, or 10-part series, first two parts, was Roy Williams' quote. And I know before I even say it, you guys all know what I'm talking about. But it's my, he, he, said, he says, Michael Jordan's the only player that could ever turn it on or off. And he never freaking turned it off. I just, I had to like watch that three times to understand what he, what he meant. But, like, I get what he was trying to say. I just wonder if he wanted to help Michael feel better about the whole the ceiling is the roof comment that Mike made at at a Carolina game a few years back. Like, I I just – I think it's a great – like, he Roy Williams can't give a bad quote apparently. But – and Roy Williams stole the show with what he said, like anything he said whenever he was on, on screen. But Another quote, I'm trying to see all the quotes that I had down. I only have two, okay. Uh, Larry Bird saying that that wasn't Michael Jordan out there. It was God disguised as Michael Jordan. I think these quotes might go up somewhere. They got to be on a banner of basketball quotes because this documentary, we're only two hours in out of ten, and we already have two golden quotes that we can we can put up anywhere and people will will stop and – Take a moment of silence at these quotes because they're just. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna put these quotes up on my on my tombstone. They're so good. So, uh, Scottie Pippen getting screwed by his agent is probably one of the like worst parts. I just feel bad for Scottie. I know they're the the team and like in the documentary, Jordan was talking about how he was upset that uh, Scottie didn't play or didn't get a surgery right away and just like chill I think Scott even said like I wasn't gonna let it ruin my summer I kind of understand where Scotty's coming from because I think today we would all be like yeah dude get your money like don't don't worry about playing wait until they pay you hold out and I just think the way how much he was getting paid was ridiculous a seven-year contract 18 million dollars when he is the re Michael would not have won those championships without him. Michael even said it. And that brings me to the LeBron thing, but I'm going to hold that till the end. So I think one of the biggest takeaways is Scottie Pippen just got absolutely screwed. And I feel bad for the guy, but you know what? I know he ended up making his money, so he's all good. But uh, number one, I want one of these for LeBron in 20 years. I want a 10-part series for LeBron because we know when I – anyone who's my age in your 20s listening to this, when we're 40, this is like how it is for our dads right now. Like they are loving this because they grew up with Mike. We grew up with LeBron, so we're going to need to see one of these. And I know people keep – especially on Twitter, people keep comparing Jordan and LeBron – through this documentary and making those uh, those comparisons, and that's just stupid. I just don't think I've decided. I don't think you can compare Mike and LeBron, and I don't think you can compare them player to player. I think you can just go 
Mike had more rings, and so you just got to put them at the top. The last thing is uh, the 19- oh, or a couple more things, sorry. The 1984 Bulls team getting completely exposed for their drug use during the season. I Just think about if you are one of those guys who was on the 1984 Bulls team and sitting down and watching this with your family and just completely getting exposed in front of your whole family and having to try to explain to them that you weren't like doing coke before games. Uh, all of the, all of that, you know, it's just so funny. Um, and I wish I could be a fly on the wall in one of those rooms. Cause when my Michael just completely threw them under the bus. So that was one of the best parts. And then my question is, my biggest question is Michael's team was, I think it was like 1984 or whatever was, 30 and 52 and still made the playoffs. That's like the Orlando Magic now making the playoffs, which is absolutely absurd. Winning 30 games again in the playoffs. Like, oh man, I can't even imagine that. And yeah, I just think this documentary and it's going to continue. Me and Matt are going to update on it every week, but I think it's cool because our generation didn't get a full grasp on everything that was going on during this time. So it's really cool to see this, especially this Bulls team, just follow it because it's one, it, arguably one of the greatest teams in sports history. So it's cool to follow, uh, especially Jordan and Pippen and even a guy like Dennis Rodman, who is one of the funniest, weirdest guys I think I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, the, the documentary is freaking awesome and me and Matt are going to keep updating as it goes on. Uh, I think we're coming back next Sunday just to talk about the documentary. So I'm going to do my top five coaches and then we'll get out of here. So my first one, and I swear it's not because I just watched the documentary. I just have to give it to him is Phil Jackson. Cause 11 championships is the only statistic that matters here. You can say, well, he had two of the best duos of all time and for those championships and Jordan and Pippen and Kobe and Shaq. But look, in my book, if you win that many championships, it's not even an argument. You're the GOAT. He has the most playoff wins as a coach, an all-time record, and the highest winning percentage of all time. He deserves to be the number one best NBA coach of all time. And the rest of these, I don't have these in order, but... I'm going to go number two, Red Erbach. He, for those of you who don't know, he coached the Celtics and won eight consecutive titles in nine appearances. And his overall record was 823 and 426. Absolutely insane record, especially during that time. Blew everybody out of the water. He has to be in the top five because when you go to eight consecutive titles – your name just has to be up there. These aren't in any order other than I think Phil Jackson is number one. My next one is Greg Popovich. Five championships, made it to the conference finals at least 11 times. He made it to the finals a couple of those times. And he led the Spurs to a winning record every year for his 22 years there. You know how insane that is to take your team every single year and have a winning record and he has the most wins in NBA history so dude definitely has to be considered top five coach of all time and then we got Pat Riley five championships 
1,210 wins, 694 losses, one coach of the year three times, and he ranks second in playoff wins and took his team to the playoffs every year except one. That might even be harder to take your team to the playoffs every year except one. So Pat Riley, I would say he's definitely number four. I think the I think Greg Popovich and Red Erbach is probably ar- arguable for two and three. I think some people might put Red above Phil Jackson, but I don't know. I You can't argue with the 11 championships, so that's how I'm doing. I'm going to just number it now. Phil Jackson won. I'm going to give Popovich, Coach Pop. I'm going to give him number two. I'm going to give Red number three. And Pat Riley number four. And then my fifth coach, and I'm picking him because I'm biased, is Larry Brown. I, it's between him and Chuck Daly. But Larry Brown is the only coach to have ever led a college team, Rock Chalk, and an NBA team to a championship. Probably the best coach at getting something out of horrible situations and overall bad teams. And he's the only coach to lead seven different teams to the playoffs. That stat alone pushes you into the top five. Like if if you weren't in the top five for that stat, I don't know what you need to do to get in to the top five NBA coaches of all time. So that is my list. And that is our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to be back later this week. And Matthew Hargrove will be coming in hot. He's going to be finishing his school stuff. It's our last, it's my last week of school. He's still got a couple left, but we're trying to finish all that up. So we're still going to be here. We still got all the time, in, all, all the time in the world to do these podcasts. So we're excited. We're going to be coming back next episode with the 2011 NBA finals. We rewatched it. We took notes. We are hyped about it. There's a part of that game that I forgot about that we're going to get into. So be sure to tune in later this week for our next episode Follow us on Twitter at the closeout, Instagram at the closeout, Facebook. All you gotta search is the closeout, and I think that's all the social medias we have left. We should make a Snapchat. We should just keep making social medias. We a, a closeout TikTok. I still haven't joined the TikTok uh, bandwagon. So when I do that, we'll work on a closeout TikTok. But that's all we got today. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back later this week.